Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to Too Smart for This. I'm your host, Alexis Barber, and welcome to this week's episode with a good friend of mine and your favorite creator, Bria Jones. I'm so excited to have Bria on because as you know, something that I really want to touch on this month on the show is the importance of routine, taking care of yourself, putting your needs above other people's expectations of you. Bria has an incredible story of really learning how to believe in herself period, and go after her dreams. We also talk about a time when she experienced burnout as a creator, how she bounced back from that, and the routines morning and night. We get into the details, girls, about how she takes care of herself now. So Bria Jones, if you don't know who she is, is a lifestyle content creator across multiple platforms. She shares with us everything from her wedding behind the scenes, which took place almost a year ago now, to just getting her hair done because being a black woman and getting your hair done is a tough job, let me tell you that. Her content is inspirational, it's motivational, and one of my favorite videos that she's ever done is about an abundance mindset and how she manifested not only money and getting to a place where she was financially abundant, she also has a video about how she manifested her husband. So girl, if you are in either of those boats where you need advice, this is the woman for you. I love Bria's content and I think that if you like this show, you will love her content too. So please be sure to give her a follow and Stay tuned for her podcast, which is coming out pretty soon this fall. So with that being said, let's jump into the episode and see you on the other side. Welcome, Bria. I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great and so excited to be here and talk to you and catch up. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. And I think last time we had like a long combo, you were working on your YouTube strategy and you've like successfully executed, I think I can say. I mean, internally at YouTube, I keep telling everyone, I'm like, look how she did this. Like, I'm so happy to see it. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a hustle. But I keep telling people like, don't sleep on YouTube because it's honestly like, it is worth putting in the work to build a community there. And I feel like I just have this whole new like group of people that actually care about me versus like, you know what I mean? On other platforms, it's just not the same vibe. So I'm really happy. I say this in my vlogs to my YouTube people every week. I'm like, you all are the ones who actually get it because for someone to sit and watch you for like 10, 20, 30 minutes, like that's like, I think the only time your personality really shows. Like, I think you have to just... I'm not saying you can't do that on TikTok, but you have to dumb it down so much. And I think that's why there's so much hate and disconnect on TikTok because people just get, they think your whole personality is in those 30 seconds. Right. And it's it's people on TikTok, I think any short form, honestly, they're coming to fight. So like, it's so easy to be misinterpreted and for people to take your words and like skew them. So yeah, it's nice as a creator to have like that breath of fresh air where it's like, okay, I can like really talk to you guys and be myself and like they also just vibe with that so much. Exactly. So I'm happy you're on YouTube. But for anyone who doesn't know you, I would love to just get started with a quick intro. Like who are you? What do you do? And you know, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so my name's Bria. Uh we said that, but I am I would say like a lifestyle creator. I have been doing social media since like 2018. I came from a corporate background. I was working in like healthcare information technology. 
and very quickly realized I was in the wrong place. But I think it was still good for me because had I not been so uncomfortable, I wouldn't have been like, I will literally do anything to get out of here. Yeah, 2018, I just started to pick up my camera. But I think it's worth mentioning that I've always had an itch for content. I went to what could be perceived as like an arts high school where you get to kind of have something along the lines of a major. So I was in communications and that's where I learned like journalism, production, a lot of camera work, editing. So by the time like the influencer was starting to emerge, like 2017 or 18 or whenever that was starting to happen, I had the skills. I just needed to like hit the go button. And when I finally saw like my first influencer, I think I, I saw like fitness influencers first. I was like, this is this is where I can actually see myself because prior to that, I really didn't see how I would be able to use my skills and my passions and be able to like capitalize on that until I saw an influencer for the first time. And I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. So I've been doing that since then. And just this past year, brought on my husband. We got married October of 2021 already like coming up on a year which is crazy to think about um but he edits my youtube videos so shout out to him for helping me get to that 100k <laughs> but yeah we're just kind of coasting right now trying to keep it up amazing so five years is a long time i've heard you talk about before how like you it wasn't always easy and like being a black content creator too like things are feel like they can move slower for us so what was your like quote big break to where you were able to take this full time? You know, I don't think I've had like what I could say is like a a break. I feel like I've had these like ebbs and flows. So I would say my first big like major flow was when we were in the pandemic and people made space for black creators. Kind of bittersweet, but that was where a lot of my audience grew. And even then, I, I'm like, do I even count that? Because I got like so many followers. And then when things kind of started to die down and go back to normal, there was a big drop off. And I heard this, I thought it was just me because I don't like keep tabs on other people. But I've talked to other creators and they have confirmed or black creators that have also confirmed the same thing kind of happened. And it was like very performative, which kind of sucks. But I would say that, you know, I've had a lot of like waves in TikTok, you know, the algorithms being nice in that month, that week, whatever, seems to generate a lot of conversion. But YouTube would probably be my, my most recent break where I really just, and honestly, I was like, kind of at my wits end of like really caring how people perceived me. And when I did that is when I noticed substantial growth on YouTube and just a more genuine audience coming my way when I was like, you know, I've, I've been doing this for like years now. I really don't care about the numbers anymore. But that took some time. It really did. Like I was attached to the numbers. It like drove my mental and emotional state because I mean, as a creator, we don't have anything to go off of except for those numbers. So you really do have to learn to validate yourself with just how satisfied you are with your own work rather than those numbers because you know they come and go totally and I think that when you're starting out as a creator you're always going to like have that time like it's it takes a lot of time 
to get to a place where you're like, it's about content, it's about connection rather than numbers. But it's still like very scary, like in the moment too. It is. And I think, well, like, especially once you're full time a creator, it's, you're not, I I could say for myself, I'm not thinking about the numbers in terms of like, oh, I want to have more views. Cause like, why do you want to have more views? There's always a deeper reason. And for me, it's like tied to my well being, it's tied to my income. So, I don't, if I have a super engaged audience and less followers, like, so be it. That's, that's amazing. That's a huge accomplishment to me. But at the end of the day, like, we all have to survive. And I think that's a lot of pressure. It's not just like we can la-di-da float around on the internet. And like, we have to also take it seriously as a business too. But it's nice to kind of be able to find that perfect balance of like knowing it does work itself out. Being consistent, showing up is really the most important part the numbers will work itself out and so will the opportunities. 100%. And I think that that mindset of like knowing that you're always going to be taken care of in time, things work out over time is really critical, especially in this industry. So that also ties into one of your viral videos about having an abundance mindset. So I'm curious for you, what was, where did your spiritual journey start when it came to understanding, you know, you're t- protected, you're taken care of? Like, did you grow up in a, like a spiritual or a Christian or whatever household? Like, how did you get to this place now where you can sort of breathe and take a moment and, you know, trust that everything happens for a reason? So I didn't really come from a spiritual background. It came from a super Christian religious one that I felt lacked a lot of spirituality. So when I decided to go full time, that was when I started my spiritual journey at the same time, pretty much. And I feel like I spent, looking back at that, I feel like I was really like not hanging out with a lot of people. I feel like I was immersed in so many like books, like Abraham Hicks, just a lot of spiritual things that completely opened up this perspective to my own inner power and just seeing myself in a different light. And, you know, some people like to get very technical. I'm like, oh, like, you know, that's, you could do that with Jesus. And I like, that is totally fine. I do not, I think that, whatever works for you works for you. And it was how it was articulated through Abraham Hicks and other spiritual books that I just understood it. It clicked for me in that way. So honestly, it's been an ongoing journey and it was not easy. I think I understood I had a lot of time on my hands when I first went self-employed and full-time. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to really work on myself So I I took that and I really, really dove in because, I mean, I don't think anyone quite understands how badly I did not want to repeat certain patterns in my family and how uncomfortable I was being stuck in certain situations. And I do not regret anything that's ever happened to me or wish it didn't happen because it is literally what propelled me. And I think I used those like traumatizing experience to motivate me to be different and be better than I want to be. And so I spent a lot of time doing that inner work, reshaping my mindset. And I was introduced to like the concept of the abundance mindset, probably like I'd say a couple of years ago, honestly, like that was the more recent like idea that I had been exposed to, but it was kind of in in line with like what I'd already been learning. 
And really the abundance mindset took things to the next level for me because I was already like working on manifesting and just like seeing my life as like, I'm in control here. This is like my video game. But when I, someone explained abundance mindset, that really clicked for me. And I was like, well, I can't operate from a place of lack in anything. I feel like I applied it to like my job financially, um, even YouTube. It was that mindset of like, you know what? I, I just don't care because like what's meant for me is going to come to me regardless. It's an ed- inevitable Nobody can get in between my success except for me. That whole mindset, but especially letting go of the control and fully trusting in that, I feel like opened up the floodgates to all these opportunities and all these milestones. And it's very difficult to do because you have to unlearn more than you have to learn. And you have to really get a hold of your subconscious beliefs that are driving you more than you think they are. And what do you think holds people back the most? Or even for yourself, like what was the hardest like internal belief to overcome? Because a lot of times for me, it's like a fear of success. And I just have to, I always am like working on that a little bit more. So did you have something similar that was like, I, why does this keep coming up? Like, what can I do about it? Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of things actually. And it's like a never ending, like I have to maintain those things and always be aware of them. And I would say for sure, like there, we all think we want success, but I think like you're saying, there is an underlying fear that success comes with bigger problems, just different problems. You're never going to be at a place in your life where you don't have issues. You're just going to be at a place with different issues. And there is no such thing as money solves all your problems. That's not true at all. And I think I knew that with success and with growth would come different challenges. And so while I was wishing to be, you know, this kind of creator and have this many followers, I also understood that that could come with some baggage, but I didn't want to fully address that. So that was one thing I had to work through. And also I think for me, it was just like, the fear of the unknown with like a different level jump. That's always been something that I, I've always kind of thought about too. Like, yeah, you know, you could you could reach these milestones, but I feel like as a business owner, I've understood especially like having employees is a responsibility. It puts more pressure on me to do better because it's not just about me now. It's also about these people that I've brought on you know, wanting to take care of my family, like being a breadwinner in my relationship, like I am the source of income. So that puts pressure on me. So it's not just like, oh yeah, we're killing it. You know, it comes with a lot of things. I think everyone has to sit down and think deeply about where their fears come from. That's what I had to do, especially like in my abundance mindset video, I talked about how I had to confront my fears and then rewrite them. And I had a lot (laughs) to write down. And, you know, I think a lot of them formed in childhood, like many of us. If you kind of ignore your childhood or don't remember it, I think it's worth getting a therapist if you can, trying to get back to those moments and figure out when did you start having certain beliefs? Where did they come from? even, Even with like money for me, I never, my family talked about it super negatively. So I realized that was something I was going to have to change in in a pattern that I didn't want to repeat. So it was just little things like that, that I had to remember and just completely rewrite. Exactly. And for you, was it 
journaling that helped like in terms of processing this like I loved a good tangible tip like were you journaling was there any sort and Abraham Hicks is a favorite of mine as well the pod listeners know journaling is definitely something I used especially early early on and if anyone ever found my journaling (laughs) books they would think I'm they would think I'm actually crazy so Something I used to do as a little like exercise for myself. I don't think I've ever talked about this, by the way, because it sounds actually crazy. So bear with me. But I would like talk. I would do a journal entry as if I was already the version of myself like five or 10 years from now. So what was I doing that day? What was around me? Like even what was I wearing that day? What were my goals? Like what's happening on my day-to-day routine as that version of myself? Because it just normalized like this higher self that I couldn't even fathom yet. And you can't visualize something you can't see, right? So I had to create her. And that's what I did in journaling. So if anyone ever saw that book, they would be like, (laughs) they would think I'm actually like on drugs because I was like talking about things that had never happened. I was talking about it as if it was already a thing, very present tense. And then also in journaling, like sometimes I would just do like a list of things that I wanted to accomplish just to kind of get them out of my head and get clarity on direction. Because like, I also believe you can't, You can't work towards something that you're not clear on. So having like very, very clear intentions was really important. And journaling was a great part of helping me map that out. And yeah, sometimes I would just also sit and visualize. But I think the visualization was a lot easier after the clarity part. So I would definitely recommend doing that first. But I used to like sit in front of my computer and open up my bank account. And I would just like stare at it and picture the numbers I wanted to see. And also I was just making myself really comfortable with going and checking my bank account because I felt like if I fear looking at my bank account, if I fear money, then money fears me. If you know, law of attraction is true. So I need to love money. I need to learn to feel comfortable with it because I wanted to feel comfortable coming to me. So it's two way street there. 100%. And something I also do, I do all of this as well. The bank account though, I've got to try that. Something I also do is I like when I feel really stuck, I have a conversation with my future self and like ask her for advice. And I'm like, I pretend I have everything I want. And I'm like seven years down the line and like try to like communicate that so that because I think a great thing is that Abraham Hicks sort of shows us is that everything is inside of you that like you need all the answers are within you and so I think that that's another like great way I love all of these tips 100% but you did touch on a little bit about being the breadwinner and taking care of your family and for those of us who have grown up maybe in a low income or just not in a comfortable financial situation and then you get to a place where you do have money it can feel very overwhelming. And I think that is often a reason that people don't get to enjoy the success that they might have otherwise had. So for you, how have you approached this like with an abundance mindset? How have you approached this? And even just like the logistics of helping take care of your family, because that is hard and you never know where to like set those boundaries, you know? 
Yeah, it is very hard. And, um, you know, you, you want to be like super open and excited about like hitting these crazy milestones. But also, I think it's important to know who you can talk to and who you can share that information with. And sometimes you will have to learn the hard way, but you do have to set boundaries. And I, I'm completely transparent and open with my family that I'm still in the early stages of building a business. And it's even though we see the money, any business owner can tell you there's a lot of putting the money back into the business for quite some time to scale it and grow it. And so I'm still in those stages of feeling like I don't actually have money, even though I see the money, but it's, 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 it's a strategic move. So I'm working closely with like my financial advisor. I have people who help me manage my money and help are helping me grow it because quite frankly, I don't have the tools and I didn't have that knowledge growing up and that's okay. But you do, if you don't want to repeat patterns and you have to like have access to things that maybe your parents didn't have access to. A financial advisor was like one of the first things I got even when I didn't have money. So that's been really helpful. And just like in terms of setting boundaries, I'm just really honest with my family. Like I can or can't help. And I know that like my family, if they need something, they'll directly ask me and I'm able to like do the best that I can. But of course I wish I could like take care of everyone's financial responsibilities, but Also, I'm 28 and I still have so much to build myself. I don't even have a house yet. So, you know, I'm working towards really big goals, but you you have to, I think it's been hard for me because when I instantly see this money, I'm like, well, what can I do to help everyone else around me? And there's also like this guilt with being patient in that and waiting, even though like a sensible person should be patient and should continue to save and invest and grow that money. But for me, it's been like a very bittersweet feeling of, I feel like I could be doing more for everybody, but I'm truly doing the best that I can. And I think it's understood that I have those intentions, but don't get me wrong. Like my brother and sister, my brother is like, about to be 20 this year. My sister's about to be 15. Trust me, I sponsor them. (laughs) So it's not like I don't do anything. It's just I do the best that I can for, for right now. I, and I think that's the best advice for anyone. Like, I think like I have seven siblings, so there's no way, there's no way I can help everybody. Like, it's just not feasible. And it's like, and then I have 20 cousins and it's like, everyone thinks, like once once you hit six figures, like everyone thinks that you're a millionaire or like or not a billionaire and like you can afford anything. So it's it can be hard, but you just have to make the best financial decisions for you and that's gonna help your family long term. Like you gotta reframe that, not like I'm not doing it. So I also wanna talk about the highs and the lows. So you've talked a lot about experiencing burnout. And something we're talking about on the podcast this month is about the, you know need to have a ritual to actually take care of yourself. And I know that you experienced a time where you weren't taking care of your mental health and then that backfired on you. And then now you've really rebuilt and created a lot more stability for yourself. So could you tell us more about that journey and what types of rituals helped you get to where you are now? 
Yeah, so burnout is not fun. 1010, don't recommend. Yeah, I actually just did a video on taking breaks too on my YouTube channel if y'all want to check that out. But basically what happened to me is I would say like 2020 into 2021. Yeah, so 2020 things were things were blowing up for me online. Like literally press articles every week. There was just so much happening for me at that time. And of course, like, especially as a small creator, you want to ride that wave. And so that's what I was doing. I literally wouldn't say no to anything during that time. Also, we were in the house all day. So I was like, this is fine. But I think that coupled with how like legit traumatizing that timing was, like you had George Floyd happening, Brad Taylor and then I'm, I, there's this pressure for me to talk about everything and I can't even process it on my own. Like so much happening that I just kept like burying it, burying it, burying it and just like showing up. But like, I didn't feel like that was not good for me at the time, but I also didn't have like a good self-care system going on at the time to really maintain my mental state or my health. I ha I was diagnosed with PMDD probably 2017 or so, which is a premenstrual disorder. And basically you just get, you get very depressed, anxious, and some people get suicidal before their period. So it's very scary. And stress flares it up. Like anything, stress makes everything kind of come to the surface. So anyone with chronic illness, like stress is your worst enemy. And so I still was learning a lot about that disorder at the time and being very naive to the state I was putting myself in. And so I kept pushing, 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 and also just like comparing myself too much to people during that time being like, well, they're, they're posting three times a day, like I can barely post once a day, like, you know, just really comparing myself on uneven playing fields. And 2021 comes around, and I'm like, really suffering mentally, emotionally. And on top of that, I was in Kansas City at the time. So there was like that the winter blues on top of all that, like I hadn't seen sunlight in months. And I just got to like a crashing point in like February of 2021, where I was like, okay, like, here it is. I don't know where Bria is anymore. It was very scary. And you know, really, the only person that knows how bad it was is AJ. So my husband. So at that time, that's when I decided to get on birth control to because basically, my whole logic was if I don't have a period, I got on a birth control that took away my period. If I don't have a period, I don't have PMS, therefore I can get better. It was kind of like a band-aid fix for the time, but it didn't work instantly, of course. I, I was super, super depressed and burnt out. And it was kind of this like cycle of, you know, I do love creating, but when you're burnt out, you kind of resent every aspect of it, but it's also my source of joy. So I would be bedridden every single day. Like I would get up enough to like eat breakfast and go work out. And then I was in the bed all the time. And it was just this cycle of being so resentful that I couldn't get up and work, but also like hating work and just having this like back and forth battle of like, I want to work. I can't work. I hate work, but I want to work. And yeah, it just took a lot of time for me to kind of fall back in love with working. But I realized I pushed myself way too far. I pushed myself through times where I needed to rest. And it landed me in the bed for a solid six months trying to heal. And to me, I mean, of course, that's not worth it. I would have rather 
taken the two week break if I needed to do that. I would have rather taken a week off or something, even a month. But six months is a much worse case scenario of just like not feeling yourself and not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just, I mean, I got to a point, it was, it was, it felt worse than depression because I got to a point of like being completely numb. Like there was no, there was no happiness, but there was no sadness. I felt like I was just existing. And, and that to me was scarier than having sad emotions because at least I could feel something, but I would not recommend it for anyone to continually push yourself through these limits, especially if you have underlying health conditions or anything like you're, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. And I firmly believe that now I've learned the hard way. And the best I could do is like tell people don't do what I did because it's not fun. Absolutely. And so now it's sort of like you went from one extreme to another. And when you got back into starting to create content, how did you create space for yourself so that you could take breaks when you needed to. Also, how did you get the courage to start back up again after like six months? I think I was posting like sporadically during that six months. Like if I had a wind of energy, I would just try to make a video to stay relevant. But when I got consistent again, I just had to like show up. But it was obviously a different Bria that was showing up. It was I I had no room to be performative anymore. I wasn't I wouldn't say that I was fake, but I was definitely being something that I thought people would like more. And so I had to make space for this more real version of me and be okay with whoever wanted to to see that or who didn't want to see that. But what helped me was having more of a structure around my work schedule because obviously with social media, it's really hard to have like an understanding of how much should I work? When do I turn it off? So now I try to have more of a like nine to five approach where it's like, okay, I'm up working when most people are. And I'm also clocking out when most people are too. And just that alone has helped me, even if like some days that's not how it works. For the most part, it keeps things a little more balanced for me. Like on weekends, I used to work seven days a week. I do not do that anymore. I try to give myself at least Saturday and Sunday to not think about social media if I don't want to. I just kind of let it go how it feels natural. If I want to post something on the weekends, that's fine. But yeah, I I find that like having more of a nine to five structure has created some balance for me. And then just like having more of a night routine, like every night, my husband and I have dinner together. Like that's our time to like reconnect and just stop, you know, talking about social media for the day we'll watch a show, like having some kind of routine that helps your brain wind down is also really important. But I think more, even like on the back end, more importantly, like this year has been the year of me trying to take care of myself a little bit more health wise. So and I know this is not like accessible to everybody. But with PMDD, it was really important for me to like learn how to take care of my body. So I did invest in a nutritionist. And that's been super eye opening to me just to learn how to eat to help heal my body and just, you know, supplement myself better. This this is something I like had no knowledge of. I didn't even know how to like what a balanced meal looked like basic things we should know. But like, obviously, this is not taught to us. So and you have every fast food joint on every corner, it's easy to like do the convenient thing. But when you have symptoms like like we have, you you understand that like your lifestyle is the foundation of everything. So 
I've spent, I mean, it's been like almost a year of me trying to adjust my lifestyle and it's, it's very hard. It's really hard because it's, I mean, there's so many days I'm like, I just want the Taco Bell, but I know that coming home, making a meal from, you know, from whatever I have in my kitchen is going to be better for me in the long run. So it's difficult, but it's worth it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason I moved to LA because I was like, my symptoms were so activated in such a stressful environment, such as New York, that I just got to this place earlier this year where I had all of these like pains in my body and I like was doing everything I could or everything I thought I could. And I was like, my environment is not conducive to me relaxing. And it's like, it's, it's not that I don't love it. I just can't do it anymore. And I was like, I've got to change this and implement healthier habits. But it's also scary. It's also really hard because you resent it a lot. Like I resented the fact that I didn't get to have my twenties, like where everyone gets blackout and has their like goes and eats pasta and then still looks like has a six pack. And I'm just like, I can't do that. And it's really annoying to have to take care of yourself. I feel like it, it is, it is. And I, I totally get that. And I was just talking, I don't remember, I think maybe on a vlog, I said this, but like, I resented my body because I felt like it betrayed me like with this condition. And so there was like this whole other like realm of self-hatred that I developed when I was trying to heal myself because I was, I would go back and forth with like, it just sucks that I even have to be here. Like, this is so annoying. Like, why can't you just be normal? You know, so it is like really frustrating to see people drinking, having a good time. And it's funny you say that I just, I just completely gave up alcohol, like not even a couple weeks ago. And it's been like a back and forth thing for me because I was like, I can make it work because I was able to like get blackout for a while. And then now I can't even have a couple drinks without having like a very uh, disturbing experience for like the next few days after. So to me, it's like, okay, it's not worth it. It's not worth my mental health to have a couple drinks in a social environment, even though like it makes me feel more comfortable in the moment. Why do I have to be that way? You know, it sucks. So I also want to talk about this timeline here for you with going from like, you've been in this game, like almost five years or four years it is now like of creating content. But I feel like making that jump and not caring about what people think of you anymore. I want to talk a little bit more about that and sort of how you got there. Was that something that was a result of your like depression burnout season where you were like, I just can't care anymore? Or did you feel like you were getting to that place prior when you were creating content before that? I think that was like a byproduct of the depression because I was so like, I just was so in the rut with everything. And I really feel too, like I saw everything at that point. Like I've seen all the comments. There's nothing original you can say to me anymore. Like at some point you're like, okay, and, you know, and anything anyone has said about me, I've said worse about myself. So you just get to a point where you are so over it. And I mean, rightfully so it does bother. It bothered me in the beginning, because I had gone from not having a platform and having all these opinions shoved at me. But like now I I realize how sad these people are. And like, I genuinely empathize with how sad they are with their lives and where their jealousy, resentment, anger, 
comes from. And I genuinely wish them so much better than what they currently have because it must suck. And I'm not even saying that in a snarky way. I just feel like you have to be a really sad person to spew hate on the internet. And I can't relate. But I know that there must be a lot of pain there. And for that, I'm sending nothing but love and light because I I just, I know that sucks. But I think when you genuinely start to focus on yourself and I don't have the capacity to care about what other people are doing. Like I just, I can barely care about myself half the time. So I don't have the energy. And also I feel like I just kind of have a better grip on like my platforms. Like I don't even leave room for people to do that. Like I am the first person to tell you, I will change the settings on my comments so quick and in a hurry. If I, cause there's like, you know, that mob mentality where like you're, you post the video, it's getting positive comments. And that one person comes in with the like crazy perspective and misinterprets what you're doing, but then other people see it. And it's that mob mentality. Like, yeah, they're right. No, no, no. If you're going to do that, you're not even welcome. So like I have all the keyword filters on my TikTok or whatever. I have like my settings to where like only people that follow me can comment on my stuff because I noticed too, like when I would post a reel or something and like my reel would go viral, the only people that were being mean were complete strangers. So it further proves these people who don't know you are the first ones to be the loudest. So like, I don't give them space anymore. I don't care about engagement. Like my engagement's fine. I still have the people who know me can comment, the people who actually keep up with me. And if, if there ever was a time where I did do something where I feel like I was out of line, I feel like I have a community that offers perspective in a respectful way. We're not always going to agree on things. But for the most part, I have people who will tell me in a very polite way, oh, maybe like this instead of that, you know, and that I can totally respect, you know. 100%. And so I think I think that's a good way to approach it too is – um, and it takes a long time to get there too. Like it, your first comment, your hate comment can probably hurt you. But I mean, over time, when you develop the right community, you're going to be okay, I think. And it's not a reason to fear being a creator because we need more Black creators out there. And when you are a Black creator, you might even just, you might face more hate just for that reason alone. So I'm curious for you. I know we've talked about this like at length, like personally about what it is about the struggles and the positives of being a black creator today. But for you, I remember this video you made about how it's just, it doesn't make sense that you don't get invited to these, these events. And it really bothers me too, because you have the aesthetics, like it's, you have the numbers, like it make, it makes no sense. So how do you think that we as like a society or brands can make a change or do you even, are you done with like even trying to make that change? Yeah, I think I'm kind of like at the done part. <laughs> and and that's like the funny thing too, because like the second I seem to like not care about these things is when they do start to happen. Like I just got invited on like the NARS brand trip. That was like my first invitation. And, but I think where my head is at now is like, let brands show their true colors. You know, we've, we've said how we feel. Okay, and as a consumer, take note. You see these brand trips, right in front of your face. Are you still giving them your money? Okay, then that's like a choice. And you are fueling more of this behavior. So I think we all have choices. And it's not like these brands don't know better at this point. 
it's just important to continue speaking your piece and like how that makes you feel. But like also, for example, that's why I've taken the initiative to get black creators together, like the Turks and Caicos trip. That was an opportunity to have a bunch of us together, even just like not from a work perspective, just like from a networking and community perspective, like spending a week with those girls opened my eyes so much as to like different ways to approach work. Like we were sharing a bunch of like tips and hacks with each other. It's just nice to be around people who get your problems and get your job. And I think that was what I was craving from these trips mostly was just like a sense of community and feeling like I was a part of something, but I could do that myself. I just reached out just like, you know, I hit you up. I was like, Hey, like, let's do this. And that it was as simple as that instead of like putting the responsibility on them, because I don't want a backhanded invitation anyways. Like I want to go because I'm genuinely welcome there. And also because this company truly believes in being inclusive and I don't want to be the token on the trip either because they're just trying to save ass and say like, Oh yeah, like we, we do have diversity and it's literally one black girl, if that. So I I can't, I can't be bothered with it at this point. You know, I just have to like do what works for me and create, create that space. And how I put, I was like, don't ask for a seat at the table, just build the fucking table, you know, like, That's what you've got to do. And speaking of that, I know we're coming to the end here, but for anyone who is listening who does want to be a content creator or is a creator and wants to grow their platform, do you have advice on how to strategically do so so that you can, you know, make the most of it? Yeah, I think what people don't really love to hear, but it's it's really what gets you to have more of an impact and growth is just being consistent because it's going to be like, just accept that it's going to be a messy process. You're going to fail. You're going to flop. Like just accept that those things are going to happen, carry on and like keep pushing through and literally just like move on from it. But I think a lot of people just fear starting and you're going to have to hit record and just do something and start to get comfortable on camera and no it's not gonna be like I have so many embarrassing things on the internet of me like oh my gosh like I'll get get like Facebook memories of like YouTube videos that I shared and like they automatically play so I'm like okay like I'm talking like 2017 YouTube Bria like that's not those are probably (laughs) but I'm saying that because you know, you just have to, and I did a video on this too, like embrace your cringiness because it's going to happen inevitably. And I feel like when you look back at your work, if you kind of like cringe a little, it's a good thing. It means you're progressing. So yeah, it's okay. So it's, you're not, you're never going to be like absolutely perfect. Just keep moving forward and have the bravery to start. And that's the hardest part, honestly. Exactly. And honestly, I feel like we are so scared of what other people like think of us. And we also think that we have to start and that we're going to be perfect. But nothing I created two years ago when I started making content would I ever put out today. And that's the point. Yeah, that's that's exactly the point. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is very scary. And it's super uncomfortable, especially when you're starting out. Like, as a creator, it would be and I always say this to like, my husband, I'm like, it'd be one thing if I if my job wasn't so public, I think it would have a completely different impact on my mental state and just like my well being, but everything is so 
public, everything I do, thousands of people are seeing it at every moment. And that's like kind of exhausting sometimes. So I think you just have to like be brave and not care. And, and not caring is so much easier said than done. But over time, like you will care less, I promise. You will. It's a time thing. I really do believe it is. I really believe it is. Okay, so I like to end, or I'm going to end this with a few rapid fire questions. So the first one is, do you know your big three in astrology? Yes. Scorpio, sun, Gemini, moon, Capricorn, rising. That makes sense. That Capricorn, that Capricorn makes sense. Okay, what is your hometown and where do you live now? My hometown is Dallas and I actually just moved back here in December of 2021. How are you liking it? I love it. I mean, there's a lot of Tex-Mex around. So outside of, I mean, that's a good part, but I mean, politically, I'm good on that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. I'm from St. Louis, so (laughs) political difference is real. Okay. What is something about you or your personality that makes you feel really smart? I think I'm my intuition. Like I'm never, I'm not even saying this in like a pompous way. But I'm learning this with myself that I really am not wrong about these like gut feelings. And because I don't listen to them, I keep getting myself into trouble. And so I'm learning like this is actually a little superpower that I have. Is there something about you or your personality that makes you feel superficial, like in a good way, like material girl vibes? Well, I am money driven. I'll be honest about that. (laughs) I think I define success in that way, which can be healthy and not at the same time. but. I don't necessarily like spend money on a lot of things, but I do like to make money. So that motivates me. And I like to be able to have experiences like very bougie travel experiences. So I think it's a great way to spend money because it's making me like more developed and shaped as a better person when I travel and see other cultures. Um, But yeah, I will drop I will drop dollars on travel experiences. Good for you. I My issue is that I will drop money on anything. Like I just, I'm like, I need, yeah, I'm like, oh, it'll make me feel better 100%. Like I have to like, I have to like dial back. And because that was how I took abundance mindset in the beginning. I was like, spend it. What would an actual rich, well-resourced, wealthy person do here? Not that, not that. So it's a mind, it's a mindset. Okay. What is your most important self-care practice? You know what? Probably like my morning routine. I'm pretty rigid about morning routines. Like, I mean, down to like, I have to have like a 30 minute window just to take vitamins and supplements. Can you tell us your morning routine, please, for the girls? Yeah. So typically it's get up. I'm trying to meditate more. So meditating would be the first thing. I'll usually do some kind of workout and then breakfast and then vitamins and supplements and then shower and then get into my day. If I was doing it ideally, I wouldn't get on social media during that time or look at my emails, but that has not been consistent. Valid. But I think it's important. I do the same where like the first hour I can't be on social because if I am, then I just get crazy. But same, like I've been sleeping with my phone and it's just not a good vibe. I need to stop doing that. Me too. We should do a challenge and like put our phones across the room. We absolutely should because my issue is I use it for like the headspace to fall asleep and then it's still there. And so then in the morning I'm like, Instagram, it's a mess. So then what is the worst advice you've ever received? I had this like MLM girl 
it was it was like a complete hoax situation. I have a podcast episode on this whole thing. It's wild. But I didn't know they were like an MLM. And I went to dinner with them and everything. And she was like, this is the only way that you'll ever make millions. And I was like, what are you saying right now? Like, don't ever talk to me again. Because that was when I was first in my like Abraham Hicks era. And I like wanted to fight her after that. I was like, oh, no, girl. Like, you don't know the books I've been reading. <laughs> you don't know what I can do with this brain, with this intuition. No, never that. Okay, the last question that I like to ask all of my guests is finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know. You are too smart for settling for a life that you're not happy with. Period. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like the girls are going to love this conversation. Where can everyone find you? Do you want to plug anything? Yeah, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube at Habria Jones, and I'll be launching a podcast of my own in the fall, probably October, November. So just give me a follow to stay tuned on that. But thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.